Zion goes number one. We know this. Morant goes number two. R.J. Barrett goes number three. And then it gets really fun. NBA draft night. Let's go. Hello? Yeah, well, let's call this the cypher part dish. (laughs) It didn't come off so good. Uh, But you know how that works. You're trying to get the show together. And if there's a flaw in the Anchor app, every now and then, not all the time, but every now and then, the calls will just drop. The connection will just be lost. I think, um, I think, um, Anchor must be some Celtic fans because I think they ain't going to like what I got to say about them this coming up season. Well, you know, it's it's funny because leading up to the show and the lead in, I was talking about how the last three seasons, all we heard about was how Danny Ainge had stockpiled draft picks, how the Celtics were going to be a top team in terms of going after top free agents and making them into a true powerhouse. And it's actually the reverse of that. Kyrie, out. Al Horford, out. Anthony Davis, nope. So if you're the Celtics, I'm really wondering the path forward. What's the path forward? Actually taking a look at Bradley Beal? Because if you stand pat and go, nah, we'll just build around the trio of Tatum, Brown, and let's say Gordon Haywood at 100% and go from there. And that might sound good on paper. Put that out on the court and you've got a team that will barely make the playoffs and get eliminated in the first round. If they make the playoffs, I don't even think that's a lot because mm-hmm. they have suspect guard play. That's just a harsh reality. Are you going to overpay to keep Terry Rozier? Are you going to be able to keep Marcus Morris? I don't think so. So I, I think Danny Ainge has more problems than he has assets. Uh, but before you and I were cut off, so you're good with, with the path that your Knicks are taking in terms of free agency and the draft. Correct. Now, do you think that this current management regime, you think that they're smart enough that instead of making a hasty, we must get a name move, they can actually take a step back and go, you know what? We've got young talent. Let's develop them and go forward. I mean, I know the goal still is, yes, you'd love to get KD, you'd love to get Kyrie, which, by the way, I happen to be one of those people to think that's still a possibility. If that should happen, guess what? All right, no KD this coming season. That's not necessarily a bad thing if Knox, if Barrett, and the rest of your young core can develop and be that much tested. You know what I mean? More proven. KD comes back the following season then you become one of those teams that are able to do what everybody's trying to do now, and that's play positionless basketball. You're going to have a bunch of guys anywhere between 6'8 and 6'10 that can play four or five positions. Yeah, and um, and say and say that they do strike out in um, free agency. I believe that they have a plan A, they got a plan B, they got a plan C. I mean, by if you listen to Max Kellerman, he took him out. Well, uh, they got rid of Przingis for for you know for for 
for nothing, but they got two, you know, they got two first round picks from Dallas. So that means that um the Licks got multiple picks. So who's to say they can and you know it always through the season is always a disgrunt disgruntled superstar that, you know, by the trade deadline be like, yo, I want out. Facts. Um, Not to mention in that deal, you guys also got Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah. Who's super talented. He's just a young developing player who I, I, I wouldn't be quick to give up on. I think that he's another one of those guys that you want to get out on the floor. You want him to continue to develop and, and moving forward. I can I think that Dennis Smith Jr. can become part of your core going forward in the future. I, I don't think the Knicks have to make a hasty move. You'd love to get Kyrie. You'd love to get KD. But let's say you get one of two. That's fine. Run with that. Let these guys develop, and you're still going to have cap space next offseason. Correct. I, it's funny because my franchise, my franchise, I'm a diehard Laker fan. You know that. Not my franchise, but as a fan, we all feel like we own it. This is not a secret to anybody that's listening to Cypher. That's my boyhood squad. They're in a different mode. Once you trade for a LeBron James, he's in his 30s, 34, going to be 35, you're in win-now mode. So when people go, well, they gave up too much to get Anthony Davis, you gave up Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart. Two of those guys are highly touted players, and I think Ingram will eventually be a borderline all-star, maybe maybe a perennial all-star, maybe a guy that over the next six or seven years makes two or three all-star teams. I don't know if Lonzo will be an all-star. I do think he can play at this level and play well. But we're talking about one of the top 10 players, however you want to like grade them out, and Anthony Davis. I don't think you gave up too much. You were in a, you were in a win-now mode. You've got no choice. You've got LeBron. He doesn't have four, four or five years to wait for them to develop. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you have no choice going forward but to make that move and give it up the number four pick in the draft. That's nothing. That's, that's just part of the package. And those other picks, yeah, they're number one picks. But if the Lakers are going to be what people project them to be, and I think they will, those picks are going to end up being like number 21 or number 25. All right. If, it, if in the end – if in the end the Lakers win one title, it's worth it. Yeah. And then let's be honest. When LeBron first went there, we were saying, well, I guess that youth movement is going to get scrapped because throughout his career when he was going on in title mode, he never played with young guys. Facts. Look, this is not – hate or anything like that but LeBron doesn't play with young dudes he doesn't develop young dudes he plays with veterans and one of the reasons why is his style of play I know he's not considered a selfish player but he is a ball dominant player he's not a ball stopper because he does pass but he dominates the ball and dribbles the air out the shot clock the only difference between LeBron and James Harden and Russell Westbrook aside from size is he's a much more efficient player than either of them. And his basketball IQ, I'll give him credit, is through the roof. But they're all ball dominant. He just does it better. 
But if you're a young player, you're one of those 18 to 21-year-olds, he has no use for you. Yeah, pretty much. What do you think, when you look at the Eastern Conference, realistically, aside from Milwaukee, who they're going to keep Middleton, they probably have a shot to keep Brogdon because he's a restricted free agent. I made the mistake. I thought he was unrestricted. He's restricted, mm-hmm. which means they can match any offer. The problem I have with that is what if somebody offers Brogdon something insane like $90, 95000000 million? They can't match that. They can't. And, and I don't know if they're going to have the money to not only keep Middleton, but get Brogdon, bring back Brooke Lopez. Miritich, Iluasova, all those guys were critical to their rotation because all of those guys, as big as they are, they all can play pick and pop. They all can stretch the floor. You take away those shooters, which opens the floor up for Giannis, who's a limited range player, as gifted as he is, and the Bucks will struggle next season if they don't have that same type of shooting that they had this season. Yeah. Being by you saying that, it kind of makes Kawhi, if he was a smart man, to go back to Toronto. Because the path to the finals is, you know, with Boston taking down a step, you know, if Philly won't be able to sign their free agents, they're going to take down a step. It might be just Toronto and Milwaukee and everybody else. It If Kawhi Leonard comes back, it is going to be Milwaukee and Toronto. Now, we can't foresee injuries. Nobody can predict health. But all things being even, the Bucks and the Raptors can avoid major injuries. It'll be a two-team race. Everybody else, yes, I know there's going to be a third, fourth, fifth, and sixth seed. But, but realistically, when you look at this version of Boston – the version of the Sixers, the version of the Pacers, bringing back Oluwadipo. But remember, Oluwadipo will be returning to a team that's going to lose Thaddeus Young, that's mm-hmm. going to lose Bogdanovich, who's their best shooter. They, they might lose Darren Collison, who's one of the best backup point guards in the league. I'm just saying that it's a two-team race if Kawhi comes back. And I don't even think it's close. I mean, it's going to be those two teams – then there's going to be a gap, and then there's going to be everybody else. And, I mean, everybody else will literally be lumped together. There's nothing special about the Pistons. Nothing. But because everybody else will have lost talent, the Pistons will be on par with the Celtics, with the Pacers. They'll be on par with the Brooklyn Nets. Because if Brooklyn isn't able to get one of the big-name players that's been rumored, yes, they bring back a talented young team, but it was still a talented young team that got in as the, what were they, the sixth seed? Yeah, they just got in. And then. And it was weird because there was a sixth seed, but there wasn't a big separation between them and the eighth seed. Yeah. Shoot, um, I know me, me and you was joking, but shoot, with, with that done, he got a shot to make the playoffs. And that seems crazy. Most people would laugh at that. By the way, 
Miami Heat, still the highest payroll in the NBA. That will probably change this free agency period, but what will it be, second highest? Um, but that said, yeah, you're right. Look, the Heat will have a legit chance, and it's weird because they don't have a superstar. They don't even have an all-star. Drogic has made a couple of all-star teams. He's a perennial all-star. He's not going to make it anymore. I it, on paper Miami looks like a team that's set to be a temp seed or basically in the lottery. But if the power shifts, if all these secondary talents and rotation players bounce, yeah, I think the Heat are going to make the playoffs. They they really will. Let's say Justice Winslow develop, develops a little bit more. That Josh Richardson He's been very good, but he's yet to have a legitimate breakout season where he's giving you 20-plus, <laughs> but he has that talent. Maybe Whiteside actually decides not to be lazy for a season. That would change everything. If you get the Whiteside wants more money, then Whiteside is going to give you 16 rebounds and 15 points, a couple of block shots. And, uh, and um, I know I've been making jokes about that, but – but even they got Dion Waiters. <laughs> right. And here's the funny thing. So we make jokes about Dion Waiters, not because he can't play. Because the funny thing is, if you look at his career, here's the one thing that's consistent about Dion Waiters, the one true consistency in his career. Consistently throughout his career, he's averaged around 15 points a game. He has. He can score the basketball, but he's not a shooter. He's a scorer. And if you're a title contender, he's a sixth or seventh man. If you're like the Heat, he's probably in your starting lineup. So we joke about it, but not because he can't play, just because Miami paid him so much and they made him a starter. Um, and don't forget, Jim Kelly's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you got Jim Kelly and you got oh, Thor. Don't forget about Thor. They got the Avengers on there, man. They they do, but they're kind of like the Bizarro Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I look. Everybody says the East is wide open. Look, both conferences are wide open. They are. Golden State's going to make the playoffs, but they're going to be a lesser version, and they're not going to be the beast of that conference. They're going to be struggling with all the other teams somewhere in that seventh, eighth seed, maybe somewhere in that range. But outside of what happened to them. The race for the top, that's up in the air. And because it's up in the air, yeah, I have a legit thought. I have a, I have a real feeling here that if the Lakers build out the rest of their roster rather than go for that sexy pick and get that third max contract, yeah, I, I really think the Lakers should be one of the top three seeds in the West. I'm not saying number one, but with Golden State out the picture, the only other team that might just be ahead of them because of overall talent and by default of what they did last year would be the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. And the Denver and the Denver Nuggets basically are going to get kind of like a number 1 draft pick because Michael Porter Jr is healthy, he will return to that roster, he will be part of their rotation, and if he's what he's projected to be. And I saw the film on him, I watched enough, I thought he was really good. But I didn't see what other pundits and media members saw. But if he's what they think he is, the Nuggets are going to have a big three. They'll have Joker 
Murray, and Porter Jr. to go with an already deep and talented young team that was in the Western Conference Finals. Wouldn't they be kind of like the kind of oh, like the, the right West. They just missed the conference finals, but yeah. Wouldn't they would kind of be like the 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 um Western conference version of the Raptors? Um, you know what, in a lot of ways you could say that, except it would just be different instead of Kawhi having a Kawhi, they got Joker, right? Yes. And instead of having Cal Lowry, they've got Murray, who's more of a scorer. And instead of Siakam, they got Porter. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways they're similar to the Raptors. Even last year, you could have made that argument. They had a bunch of really, really good young players, but they only had one all-star. Mm-hmm. And I think Joker's going to be an all-star again, of course. He'll probably be all NBA first or second team. Murray has all-star talent. I don't know. His problem has always been consistency. But let's say he can put together a consistent season. Now you're talking about another scoring point guard that gives you, let's say, 20 points six or seven assists. That will put him right up there with the other top scoring point guards. And if Porter Jr. projects, then you've got another guy that can create and get his shot off and shoot from range. I already thought they were super deep without Porter Jr. But if you add them, they've got a year of playoff experience behind them. They're going to be that much better. Yeah, I, I think Denver – I wouldn't be surprised if Denver wouldn't be the number one or number two seed in the West. I think after Denver, it's up in the air. So that's why I give the Lakers a shot, provided the front office does his job to be one of the top three seeds. I mean, it's all up to LeBron. Or, I mean, um, Palenka. <laughs> or maybe it's up to Rich Paul. <laughs> uh, no offense to Rob Palenka, but that happened because Rich Paul happened. Rich Paul did interviews on radio shows, on on websites, and he basically made it clear. We have no control of where Anthony Davis gets traded, but we're 100% certain wherever he gets traded, we're going to experience free agency next year. What did that do? Scared off anybody else that was interested in Anthony Davis because they literally knew you're talking about a one-year rental. If you're the Boston Celtics, you're not trading Jason Tatum for a one-year rental. I can promise you this. Had they traded Jason Tatum, Anthony Davis still would have left. Yeah. But I don't know what it is, or at least we don't want to go too deep. Brothers ain't trying to stay in Boston. Not if they don't have to. What, whatever the reason is, they don't get free agents. Not top free agents. I know people go, well, they got Gordon Hayward, but they got Hayward because he had a connection to Brad Stevens. He played for him in college. So there was always a, a connection there. And it's a different thing. Feel me? It, but, you, know, you know, it's kind of kind of weird. At the beginning of the season, we was like, well, Boston might have too much talent. Uh, you and know now, what? No, go ahead. And now at the end of the year, but by, by free agency – they might have lost not only Al Horford, Kyrie. They might have lost Terry Rozier and Marcus Morris. Yeah, and they're trying to move um, House of Pain. So they're they're trying to move people around already to create more cap space. Look, and we said this. You're right. We had the conversation, and then look, and guess what? It panned out that way. They did have too much talent. 
they had too many guys that were riding off of what they had done the previous season. And I knew that would be a problem because you're bringing back an established star in Kyrie. You're bringing back a guy who was a perennial all-star in Gordon Haywood, but he was not a hundred percent. And then you're asking these guys who had this great run to take a secondary role again. Don't get me wrong. They should have because Kyrie was still the clear best player. A lot of people love and like Jason Tatum more. I get why you do, but he's not a better basketball player than Kyrie Irving. The best player on that team was Kyrie Irving. You can tell me that he wasn't a great leader. That's another, that's another, that's a whole nother conversation. But as a basketball player, his skill set, his talent, his shot making ability, clearly their best player. What Brad Stevens did not do is he didn't do Kyrie any favors by being hell-bent on playing that walk-it-up style. Yeah. That's not the kind of player Kyrie is. Yes, he's effective in the half court, but he's much better in an up-tempo, uh, up-tempo type of system. And the way they played the game, it seemed like from the very beginning of the season, guys like Rozier, uh, guys like, like Jason Tatum, even Jalen Brown, they thought they were alphas too. Like they thought they were on the same level as Kyrie. And I, I'm all for everybody having confidence and believing in yourself. But at the same time, within the team concept, you still got to know your role. You still got to stay in your lane. Not everybody's a number one option. And it seemed like a lot of guys had a problem with who was actually the number one option. Yeah. They did have too much talent. But they also had a coach that didn't get control of that locker room. And that's kind of like Brad Stevens' fault. Sure. You're supposed to set the table and go, this is how we're going to play. And this is whose hands I want the ball in in late game situations. This is our guy. You all have value. You all will impact what we do. But the guy is Kyrie. It should have been that simple, and it was never established. It was a problem all year long. They did have too much talent. It's kind of funny because now swing things around, they're not going to have that much talent, right? They're going to be different. Mm-hmm. Do you overpay Terry Rozier? You do not. Now, if you're smart, we've already seen Terry Rozier when you overpay him. He's in Detroit. His name is Reggie Jackson. Don't do that. Don't make that mistake. Rozier is really, really good, and he's outstanding as a backup point guard. As a starting point guard, he's just another guy. Or as Max Kellerman would say, he's just a jag. (laughs) Those are facts. Terry Rozier is a really good player as a backup. As a starter, not so much. Marcus Morris, I thought he was their most consistent player all year long. He's going to want to raise. Are they going to pay him? My guess is not what he wants. Al Horford has already bounced. When you turn down a $30 million option, you've already got a destination in mind. Yeah. He he already has a plan. He's going to play for somebody. I know they're not supposed to have contact with agents and other teams, but again, they always end up having contact with agents and other teams. So the Eastern Conference, wide open. The West, wide open. I don't think the Portland Trailblazers are the best team in the West. I don't think the Rockets are the best team in the West. The Warriors, they won't be the best team in the West this season. 
it is literally wide open. I know a lot of people are geeked about what Dallas could potentially do. I'm going to go ahead and do the spoiler alert. Mavs <laughs> fans, you're not going to win anything. Trust me. You, you, might, you might crawl into the playoffs, but I don't want to hear title contender. Speaking of title contenders, big fan, all his career, Mike Conley. Love Mike Conley. Big fan of Mike Conley. Mike Conley does not make the Utah Jazz a title contender. And anybody that says that, they don't know basketball. He's a very good player. But he's better than Ricky Rubio. He's not fine than Ricky Rubio. You're sending a 31-year-old talented point guard, injury-prone point guard, to a Utah team that struggles to score. You, you took someone who averages around 15 a game and you upgraded because Mike Conley had a career year last year and averaged 21 a game. But for his career, Mike Conley is around 15 or 16 points a game. I don't think he turns the table that much. <laughs> oh, man. Is there a dark horse in the West that you see? Mm. Maybe OKC. <laughs> uh, you know what? I can't do that. Can't go with Russ. I'm a fan of Russ, fan of Paul George, but I've got a standing belief that certain guys can't be the best player on title contenders. So if you're saying, well, OKC make the playoffs, sure. Are they going to go on a deep playoff run? Nope. I mean, um, sorry, Thunder fans. That's just facts. San Antonio? So, no. Um, they actually have a worse problem than the Thunder because they don't have a number one option. They got, as Michael Irvin would say, they have two twos. So when you have a DeMar DeRozan, who's a good second option? LaMarcus Aldridge, who's a very good second option. But you don't have an alpha. You don't have that guy. You're a team that's going to make the playoffs and lose in the playoffs. I don't care what your system is. That's just a fact. The truth of the matter is, if you took either of those players and you put them alongside a legitimate superstar, they're probably more built to be second or third options. I'm talking about if you said DeMar DeRozan is on a title contender, not a title contender, an out-and-out team that won a title. If he won a title, then I would say that he's third option role. You feel me? Like, I would see that as a third option. If you told me Aldridge won a title – it would be as a third option. That's just me. Yeah, but, you know, San Antonio do have advantage on other um, teams, you know. What, the Euros? Yeah, the Euros, man. <laughs> not, not the, I said Cheros. The Euros is good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they scout the Euro League, man. Right. Look, I, don't get me wrong. And we had this joke. Anybody that's out there listening, here's the, here's our running joke. And it's kind of a joke within a serious conversation. So a lot of people talk about how a lot of foreign players who've had great, really good NBA careers and they're borderline Hall of Fame players. And if you look at their NBA career, you go, that's pretty good, but I'm not sure. 
somebody always goes, well, then you got to add in all the all the titles he won over a Euro League. Um, and yeah, no offense to the Euro League, it's okay, but you can't name me the Euro League player that was all NBA defense, right? How many of them are there if they exist? And don't count Sergi Baca because that's not the same thing. Can you name me the Euro League player that ever won the league MVP? The Euro League player that was ever finals MVP? I know Dirk is from Germany, but he didn't spend his time in the Euro League. So who's this Euro League dynamo? Where are all these dynamos that have dominated the NBA since the dawn of time? No offense to the Euro League. I, I really think the NBA needs to look into making it the the professional basketball hall of fame. matter of fact go not professional that's not good enough make it the national basketball association hall of fame mm-hmm. so there's a clear distinction there is a college basketball hall of fame and that's great and the current one is just the basketball hall of fame which is why they open up this weird little door this window to where there's guys who had good careers in the nba and then people will cite that they were great in Europe and go, well, he's a Hall of Famer. Look at that Euro League record. Okay. Got you. So that's kind of our running joke. Anybody out there listening? And don't get me wrong. This isn't a disrespect that there aren't great league players. I remember, remember a guy like Drazen Petrovic. Um, I remember Tony Kukoc was a great player. I have a lot of respect for Manu Ginobili in the career that he had. And I think that Manu Ginobili had a borderline Hall of Fame career. But again, the guy there was a conversation that said, well, yeah, Mo, but once you throw in his Euro League, it pushes him over the top. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. And all I said was in return, you said this, Andre Iguodala has a career that mirrors Ginobili. He doesn't have the Euro League experience, but he did something Ginobili never did, was what he was the finals MVP. That trumps the Euro League. But what what do I know? You know, I'm just a Knicks fan. You know, and I'm I'm my name's not Brian Winhurst. So yeah, got you. <laughs> I didn't stalk some guy for ten years. I with you. I feel you. But being that what we said, don't you get the feeling that this free agency is going to be wild? Yeah, I, I think I really do think, that, and I've said this before, and I I still believe that this free agency is going to change the balance of power in both conferences. And don't look at the top. Don't get caught up in what KD is going to do. Don't get caught up in what – I'm talking about KD, Kawhi, Kyrie. You need to watch what Jimmy Butler does, what a guy like Nikolai Vucevic does, what Al Horford does, where D'Angelo Russell ends up. Does he go back to the Nets? He's unrestricted, but still. Maybe he goes elsewhere. What about DeMarcus Cousins or somebody like Bogdanovich? Because Bogdanovich is six foot eight, he's physical, and he can shoot with range. What about Julius Randle, um, Malcolm Brogdon? He's a restricted free agent, but again, any team can offer him a max deal. Will the Bucks match that if someone offers him that? I doubt it. So I think the power shift will come from those guys along with guys like Terrence Ross. You know what I mean? Somebody like that that can give you instant offense off the bench, a J.J. Reddick, 
Seth Curry. Those guys have value. You get enough of those, you get two or three guys like that around a superstar player, it will change your team. It will change the way teams play your team. I really think that's where the shift is going to come from, those secondary-type players. Mm-hmm. Unless you disagree. I mean, I, I know we do have a, lo- a lot of big names out in free agency. So I, I'm not saying that they don't impact it. But remember, they're part of the equation. If you don't put guys like Reddick or Ross around them, they don't have the opportunity to really compete for a title. I, I get this. I guess the sense of feeling is that a lot of like, these, you know how they do the tier two and tier three superstars. Right. I don't think they're going to get max deals, man. No, I, look, I, I think there's a short list of max players for different reasons. Clay Thompson, he might not be a top 10 player, and that's close because I, I, I value him a lot. But he's going to get a max. He's getting a max deal. No, go ahead. I just thought about this team, and it, it just, and it just, and it, and it, it um, for a dark horse in the West, and I just forgot about them. Sacramento. Aaron Fox, Buddy Hill. I'm assuming they're going to try to bring back Willie Cauley-Stein. They've got a nice young core that, that you know what, had they not had some injuries and fallen off near the end of the season, they would have made the playoffs. But I think Sacramento, depending on what they're able to do in the draft, along with what they do in free agency, they might be the team that nobody's looking at. I, I agree with that 100%. I, I think Darren Fox is just going to get – Buddy Hill's kind of like a late bloomer, but guess what? He's blooming. He's balling. So I, I love that backcourt combination. I love that backcourt combination better than the backcourt of Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. And I'm not – this isn't about talent because if it was about talent, I'd go with Donovan Mitchell. The thing about talent is it only has value if that talent projects out to what it's supposed to be with the full potential of it. With Donovan Mitchell, we've seen the highlight moments. We've seen spectacular games. But we've also seen those games where he shot six for 24 or four for 25. He's a talented player, but he's an inefficient player. He's a turnover and he's an inconsistent defender. To me, this season, I know he's young. I know he should be ascending, but I think this season is going to go a long way in telling us whether he has another level or if he's not already at his ceiling. True. Uh, just for everybody out there listening, this is me and age, and we don't do a lot, a lot of editing or stopping or pausing. So if you hear dogs barking in the background, if you hear dogs drinking water, FYI, on the job. <laughs> Bad news kennels. No, no. <laughs> Anybody out there that's listening, I am in bizarro version of that. That is not <laughs> that is not what my family does at all. Actually, my wife is great with animals. She always has been. Um and because she's great, it's rubbed off on me. Now I don't have her gift of gab with animals because she can have deep conversations with them. But I'd like to think that we have a good understanding. 
if Mo's watching TV, they tend to let me be. Yeah, man, you you know this is going to be a wild playoffs, man. When I actually gave Carlos' team a compliment, man, you did. You said that the Heat have a good chance as any to get into the playoffs because a lot of teams were going to lose talent, and Miami's not really going to lose anybody. And at first, I thought, nah. And then after I really looked at the rosters, I think barring a major injury, I think you're 100 percent right. The Heat are going to they're going to have a real. I will tell you this. If someone said, Mo, who you take, the Heat or the Detroit Pistons roster, have Blake Griffin. And, I, you know, I'm not the biggest Blake Griffin fan, but I would tell you I would take the Heat. Facts. I just would. Blake Griffin puts up numbers. Blake Griffin, is a, he's still a talented player, and he's extended his range, and he can shoot the, the three enough to where you have to respect that. And – Having said that, still not a big fan. Don't think he's a winning player. I don't. I never thought he was. And he, and he isn't. And I'm right because he never won anything. And he's – guess what? Sorry, Piston fans. He's not going to win anything for you this year either. What he's going to win you, and this is consistent, is another trip back to the lottery. Just... That's just me. I know someone's out there like, you can't say that about Blake Griffin. I'm like, well, oh, you haven't been watching Blake Griffin. Um, when, you, when you look at him and the way his knees is going, starting to seem like it's Amari Stoudemire part two. To some degree. I, like I said, the difference is because he's been able to extend his range, he still puts up numbers. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is a lot of times he's putting up numbers and the Pistons are getting blasted. <laughs> he's still in the game. I'm just, I'm just saying, we don't notice. It's funny how you notice the stat padding on teams that win, but you don't notice it on teams that are getting destroyed like the Pistons regularly do. I'm not saying Andre Drummond doesn't have talent. What I am saying is it doesn't seem like he's developing as he goes along in his career. Like, the guy that he was last year, he was that the year before. We already know he's going to lead the league in rebounding. But he still hasn't really developed his post game. He still hasn't developed at least a face-up 10- or 12-foot jump shot. And until he does those types of things, he'll always be a limited player. And this isn't me going on a rant about the, uh, Andre Drummond because I'm sure a lot of teams will want his services. This is just me saying, yes, the East is wide open. And so, and so, you know what? Let me, let me rewind that. Because the East is wide open, Pistons fans, at the start of the season, you're right there in the hunt. Yeah. Until the end of the season. Then you're not. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm, I'm almost playing, but I'm serious. You're not going to get in the playoffs. I mean, we, I mean it's, it was, you know, we so geeked up about free agency we haven't really even talked about um the draft. Have not. And maybe it's because, look, once you get past, and I, I said that at the top of the show, once you get past Zion, John Moran, R.J. Barrett, maybe Darius Garland at number four, after that, it's potluck, fam. It's toss-up. I have no idea who's going to get drafted. But what I will say is this. There's going to be a lot of guys that get drafted on the back end 
of the top 10. I'm talking about guys that get drafted 15, 18, that are going to end up being better than some of the top seven or eight players. I truly believe that. I also believe that R.J. Barrett, watching him throughout the season, which I did, how he handles himself, his skill set, and his attitude, I think Barrett's going to be as good a pro as Zion. Maybe not as spectacular, because he he doesn't have a 40-plus vertical, but there's something about Barrett. He's got that one-two. He's got that dog in him. And it's not it's not talk. It's real. It's that confident. If if Andrew Wiggins had what RJ Barrett had in him, Andrew Wiggins would be a perennial all-star and people would be loving him instead of saying he's another one of those what could have been. The way the way that the way that RJ Barrett talks. I'm not saying that he's Kobe Bryant, but he, he, the way he talks, he got that asshole Kobe Bryant type language that you hear from him, man. He's kind of raw like that. I would agree with that. He's kind of like, and you know what? A lot of great players have that about them. Now, some project it outwardly and some, they keep it, they kind of keep it inside, but you can tell they're competitive that way. Barrett is he's putting it out there on Front Street what he's about and how he feels like I know him and Zion are boys I know he admires Zion the player and the talent but if you ask him who's the better player I bet you he'd say him I think he's that confident this is one of those drafts it kind of reminds me of that draft what year did Kenya Martin come out was that 2001 or 2 it, it was one of those and and that draft, you were like, okay, there weren't a lot of great players, but it was one of those drafts where there are a lot of guys that had 10 and 12 years careers that were good players. Yeah. I think this draft is going to mirror that draft. You're going to have, let's say, three or four special players, but you're going to have a lot of guys that are just going to be good pros. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you turn out to be someone – if you say he's going to have a 12-year career and let's say he averages 10 or 12 points off – off the bench and he helps the team win a title or three titles. That's a great career. Are, are you actually going to watch the, the, the draft tonight H or you're just going to like check in from time to time? Yeah, come on, man. You know, <laughs> uh, <I'm> gonna... <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm going to watch it, man. And you you know what's you know another thing that we know we geeked about free agency. Well, I'm geek free about free agency in the draft. I haven't even rubbed it in that you know that Toronto Raptor. I picked the Toronto Raptors to win um the title, man. I didn't either, and it's funny because um the last episode I talked a lot about uh the Lakers acquiring AD. And, and and some of those kind of, you know, I barely glazed over the finals. You're right. You and I picked the Raptors to win the finals. Now, you picked them in five. You had way more – you had more confidence than that. A little, I, I, I believe they were going to win. I knew that. As soon as I knew there wasn't going to be no Durant with no hesitation, we were on board on that. But you were right. You called it. Look, they, they – and I know some people are going to say, well, there were some injuries. Of course there were. If Durant is 100% going into that series, I'm not making that pick. 
Yeah. But he wasn't. And who could see Clay Thompson tearing his ACL? No one saw that coming. It's unfortunate. I'm a fan of Clay Thompson's. I'll tell you something. And I might be alone in this. I don't dislike Steph, but I like Clay Thompson more. Yeah. I'm a bigger fan of Clay's. That's just me. That's just me. This and is you know what? This is just me. And you know what? One thing that we we both was wrong about that about that series, and the reason that they took it to six games was Golden State's bench, man. You're right. They were one of the worst benches all season long, and it wasn't one of those things where it was smoking. I mean, they just weren't that good. And something happened. You know, it's it's a strange thing. They were they were average. In early in the Houston series. And then when KD went out from that point on, that bench became one of the best benches in all the playoffs. And versus Portland, the next round, they averaged almost 32 points a game for the series. In the finals, they had three big games. In two of those games, they won. Their bench, in my opinion, actually outplayed the Raptors three times. But the Raptors managed to get the win. Uh, I think it was that one game that came down. It was even the last game. Ibaka mm-hmm. had a big game. Van Fleet had a big game. But Golden State's bench was so good throughout the playoffs and into the finals. That was the key. I didn't see that coming. Had had you're right. Had Golden State's bench, let's say, played up to to or down to the level they had been playing to. Yeah, they would have got swept. They would have got waxed. Um, who knew that Looney was going to come back, play at the level that he played at, the production they got from guys like McKinney and Jarebko and Cook. Uh, they just played big. Sean Livingston, they just played big. I mean, they played really well. I was really impressed with that. And I'm, I'm going to say this about the Warriors. We picked the Raptors win because we just went with the common sense fact that we didn't buy into that narrative that the Warriors were better without KD. We didn't buy into it. But I'll give the Warriors credit. I thought even though they were losing, even though Clay was injured, and this is before the ACL, I thought they showed a lot of heart. I thought they showed a lot of fight. And I'll give them credit for that because when I saw the way Jamal played, the way Clay played, look, Steph had a couple of big games. He struggled some, but I thought he showed some heart. I don't think nobody showed more heart than Clay Thompson. I mean, I know KD came in, and I, you know how I feel about that. Man should have never played. I I I was so confident in that he wasn't gonna play. I, I told people on a couple of shows, I was like, well, first of all, KD's not playing. The man's got a serious calf injury. Why would he risk his future to play? And for whatever reason, we'll never know fully. He was told he could play. He was told he couldn't further injure it. He took that diagnosis, he wanted to play. He got out there and played, and guess what? He he ruptured his Achilles. So I would say that whoever gave him that diagnosis, that advice, you should be fucking wrong. They they should be fired and sued. You know what I mean? And and they said it was no minutes restriction. That's the crazy part. Man came back. He came back, and they played him twelve of the first fourteen minutes. They they played him like, like he like he had never been injured at all, and I know they desperately needed him, and I'm kind of with Jalen Rose on this. 
if Florida State, if the series is 2-2, they don't even ask him to play. If they're up, they don't ask him to play. But they were down 3-1. But let me ask you this. If he was under contract and was for three more in three more seasons, you think they would have played him? No, I don't. And that's kind of messed up. I that, look, that that that's foul, man. That's what's the word they use in cards? That's diabolical. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, you know what? You know, what's the narrative? He's out of here anyway, right? Yeah. I really think they treated him like like something disposable. Yeah. I really felt that way. I, and I, I'm right. I'm telling you how I felt. That's all. And that's why I think that he's leaving. But that'll be for another show. Yeah. Look, I my gut feeling is it's a 50-50 choice. You can go somewhere else, and I think it's going to be either the Knicks or the Warriors. You can go to the Knicks, and the Knicks won't mind out for a year and guess what when you come back those young players will be better developed better prepared you're probably still going to add another star and go forward but if he stays with the Warriors what's the plus he's going to get another an extra 60 million dollars not to mention here's the and I thought about this and I, and I actually heard it on one of the shows today I actually agreed wholeheartedly if he stays with the Warriors and he comes back, let's just say, a, a slightly lesser version of what he was before he was injured. Because Golden State has Steph, Clay, and Draymond, and maybe they'll add some more talent, if he's a lesser version of himself, the talent that's around him, they can actually cover that. They can actually, like, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, they can yeah. cover whatever deficiency he might have. And my guess is... The first, if he's going to be a lesser version of himself, the first thing you're going to notice is he won't be able to get get around people off the dribble anymore, right? Yeah. Like, that'll be the one thing you'll notice. You're like, yeah, because normally KD he crosses cats up, but if you crossing dudes up, you're talking about doing a stop start motion, and your Achilles better be like, I mean, your Achilles better be like next level hill to be doing stop start motions like that to explode. So I think that a lesser version of him, he will be more of a jump shooter. A lesser version of him, he'll be more in the post. He'll he'll come off screen, something that he doesn't really do, but he has the ability to do. I still think he's going to be a superstar. I don't know if he's going to be one of the three best players in basketball, though. So I guess if I'm him, I really have to look at everything. But if in your heart you truly believe that they just had no problem putting your health and your career at risk for their benefit because they felt like you weren't coming back anyway, then I expect he'll leave. And you know what I mean? If you really believe that, how could you come? I don't, and I don't know. I'm not trying to say he does believe that, but he, if he thinks even slightly, that's what went down. He's going to bounce. If you've seen his mother's interview, she didn't say it, but you know. So she kind of implied it. I mean, uh, I mean, what's that line they do in the uh, the mafia movies? I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Then <laughs> <laughs> you're saying. <laughs> but yeah, look, I I really didn't like the way that went down. I'm just a big fan of his. Look, Clay. But you know, to get back to what what we because we kind of got off track, right? So look, 
Clay's going to get the max. We know that. He's not going anywhere. Kyrie's going to get the max somewhere, and we could keep going about the top level of free agency. What I'm saying is you need to look at Tobias Harris and guys like that. I think those guys that will help build out rosters. And don't sleep on this. I know a lot of people think it's a lot that Boogie Cousins will be a warrior. Maybe Boogie Cousins looked at how they treated KD and goes, nah, I'm straight. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, Look, only anybody in that locker room, on that team, part of that organization, truly knows how that played out. All I'm saying was seeing uh, – president of basketball operations get up there doing the fake tears, the crocodile tears, and he's talking about how there's no one to blame, but if you have to blame somebody, blame me. My problem with that is you, team doctors, and everybody told him, dude, you can't injure it anymore. You won't injure it any further. He told that to me, and I'm like, so I'm good. If I play, I'm good, right? I'm, I can actually play because I'm not going to do Anything major. I'm not risking my future by some kind of catastrophic injury. Now, yeah, I'm going to play. Now, if the doctors would have said, well, uh, it's a chance that you you know, you, you can hurt yourself further. Right. So, Doc, I could get hurt if I – well, yeah, you're, you're healthy now, but one wrong move, KD, and you might rupture your Achilles. No, nah, I'm straight. I think I'll sit down. <laughs> I'm not going to risk my future. I, I just there was something ugly about that. And we'll never we'll never know the full story, but there's just something ugly about that. Or maybe we will. Maybe one day Kevin Durant will say, This is what happened, this is what went down. And maybe we'll find out sooner or later, uh, depending on where he chooses to play or sign with. Uh, I heard people say for one year um to turn around and get healthy and then go sign somewhere else because he's gonna miss the whole season. I'm like this. If I felt like you did me dirty, I'm not going to resign with you for one year. If I feel that way, I'll go sign somewhere else, work out, do my rehab with that training staff, with that medical team, and get better and already be part of that team's culture. Feel me? Yeah. He doesn't have to play to be part of the culture. Wherever he goes, he's still there for practice. They still see him getting treatment, doing physical therapy, working out, getting stronger, getting healthier. He can still attend practices, watch scrimmages, uh, go to summer league, you know, be part of the franchise, embrace some of the younger players, talk to them, give them pointers. There's a lot of ways you can still be part of the franchise without actually being on the So I don't want to hear that, that that's a smart move to do a one. No, he's 31 years old. No, don't wait. If you're going to waste a year of your life because you have to recover and you're going to lose that, then lose that year of your 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 playing life on a franchise that you want to be on. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to cut the show short. We finished up. The Invisible Lady didn't interrupt us this time, H. We actually got through this episode. So that's the cipher next time.